to the Pulse of the Prairies podcast, brought to you by Saskatchewan Pulse Growers. Here we share information about farm practices, pulse markets, research outcomes, market development efforts, and much more. My name is Sarah Anderson, and I'm the Agronomy Manager with Saskatchewan Pulse Growers. Today, I have the pleasure of chatting with Sandy Junik, who is part owner and molecular lab manager of Discovery Seed Labs, located in Saskatoon, Saskatchewan. Sandy obtained his Bachelor's of Science degree in Microbiology and Immunology from the University of Saskatchewan. He has held roles as research technician at Agriculture and Agri-Food Canada, private biotech companies, and the Saskatchewan Cancer Agency. In 2010, Sandy joined Discovery Seed Labs to set up their molecular laboratory. And in 2016, Sandy became part owner. His primary roles in the company are assay development, identification, and quantitation of seed and soil-borne pathogens, and the day-to-day operation of the molecular lab. We're going to chat a little bit about seed testing, how testing works, and the trends we're seeing in seed quality based on the annual seed survey. Thanks so much for joining us today. Great, thanks for having me. Could you tell us a little bit uh, more about Discovery Seed Lab, Sandy? Yeah, we're, we're a fully accredited uh, seed testing lab located in Saskatoon. Uh, we were founded in 1994 by the previous owner, so we're going on about our 27th year in business. Yeah, we specialize in, in uh, seed quality testing, germination vigor, diseases, uh, everything that a producer needs to know about a seed lot before moving it forward. Perfect. We're going to dig into those factors a little bit more, but I guess just to kick us off, why do you feel it's important for growers to test their seed? Uh, we feel it's important for people to test their seed uh, just to know what they're starting out with before they go into the field. We feel it's important that uh, you start off with the strongest seed that you can, leads to better uh, emergence, uh, better plant stand, and in the end can save a lot of time and money if, if you know what you're working with before you actually get into the field. Awesome. All solid reasons. Maybe, yeah, let's get let's dig into the nitty gritty a little bit. What type of information does a seed test provide? Can you walk us through the different parameters that growers will see on those seed analysis and maybe describe a little bit how that test is run and what they sort of mean at the field level and maybe kind of what general numbers we're looking for. We'll do a, a virtual seed test interpretation. Sure, the first the yeah. first test that um, that everybody should, should be getting done, obviously, is their germination test. So this will give you the absolute highest potential of a seed lot. So this is a test that's, that's done under uh, very uh, specific laboratory conditions uh, set out by CFIA. Um, it's a regulated test, so all of the seed labs perform the germination the same way. Uh, and it's performed on... Typically 200 seeds, it kind of gives you, and replicated in uh, four reps, 50 seeds each. Um, and at the end of the test period, they're, they're counted off to give you the, you know, the maximum potential of a seed lot. And sometimes there's different categories of germination. Um, so we have sort of that overall germination percentage, but is there different parameters under that as well when you refer to hard seeds or fresh seeds? What, what do those mean? Yeah, so on our seed analysis certificate, we kind of break down the germination to what we're seeing in the lab. So you may see things like we have a a category for hard seeds, uh, fresh seeds, abnormal seeds, and then dead seeds. So that kind of breaks down the germination number. Say you have germination of of 90%, and and then underneath that, you saw that you had 10% abnormal seedlings. That's just some more information explaining what's happening within that germination test. So hard seeds are seeds that are ones that haven't imbibed moisture during the germination testing period. 
they may germ at a, at a later date, but they typically have an impenetrable coat. So they just weren't able to kind of in, absorb any moisture and start the germination process. Uh, we do see this sometimes with uh, a crop like faba beans. And then uh, a fresh seed is, is, is a seed that's basically dormant. It's imbibed water during the time. It just hasn't started to germinate yet during the timing that we're allowed to kind of continue these tests are. Uh, typically, they will germinate in the field. And abnormal seedlings are, are any seedlings that don't have all of the characteristics uh, of a of a proper uh, seed. So there'll be something wrong with the root system or it won't produce a shoot or something like that. And the, these seeds would be characterized if we see any mechanical damage on the seeds or chemical damage from a pre-harvest application of glyphosate maybe too early or frost damage. Those things will all kind of show up underneath that abnormal uh, seedlings category. And then obviously, if you have dead seeds, those are those are seeds that are not are not viable at all. They're they're dead. They're usually rotting or something like that at the end of the germination test. And so earlier you had mentioned, you know, the lab accreditation and these are all standard protocols. Is that for all the germination categories, you have specific things that CFIA has has regulated that you're looking at to determine? Yeah, exactly. Okay. And uh, that maybe leads into vigor a little bit. That's sort of our, our number two uh, on this on the seed test analysis, how does that differ from from germination? Yeah, well, a germination test is done under ideal conditions, and we'll tell you like the maximum potential of that seed lot. Uh, a vigor test is done under stressful conditions, and we'll kind of give you the the least that you can expect out of that seed under less than ideal seeding conditions. What we actually do is. Uh, we do our vigor test in cold soil to simulate seeding into cold, wet ground, which is often the, the case in Saskatchewan in the spring. It go The seeds are planted in, in uh, saturated soil. Uh, they go into a pre-chill chamber, five degrees for, for seven days. At the end of that period, they're moved into the germination chamber. Uh, and they're left there for four days. And at the end of the test, then our analysts go through and analyze any of the seeds that have, that have grown. And those would be counted as a seed that has good vigor. Okay. And so are there numbers that we're sort of targeting with both the germination and, and vigor values? Uh, we, we always like to see the vigor value within 10% of the germination value. Uh, that kind of tells us that that's a good seed lot. As far as what we like to see in, for germination, obviously we want to see that number as high as possible. We like to recommend people use seed with uh, germination rates of over 85% if possible. Uh, and that kind of follows the the grading tables and things like that. Okay, excellent. Um, moving down to uh, to TKW, what's that parameter? Well, that's your that's your thousand kernel weight. So we actually count out thousand seeds. Actually done in reps of two hundred and fifty, uh, but it gives you a uh, the weight of a thousand seeds, and that number can be used for your precision seeding to help you get enough seed in the ground to achieve your whatever your specific targeted plants per square foot is. And then finally, the the other bucket seems to be pathogens. Um, so on our pulse crops, yeah, what, what does that category consist of? Yeah, so for our pulse crops, you're going to get, say, on a, on a field pea and, uh, and, and beans and things like that, chickpeas, we're going to be looking for ascochyta, botrytis, and sclerotinia. And each crop kind of has its different levels of uh, the amount of pathogen that that they'll tolerate uh, before you what you know need to do something further with that seed lot either you know put a seed treatment on it or you know think about not utilizing that seed at all just due to the high disease 
Uh, and then for lentils, it has those same pathogens, but we also include the anthracnose in there as well. Excellent. You, you mentioned, yeah, guidelines, rough, rough guidelines for when you're maybe really relying on a seed treatment. Do you guys do some of that testing as well, where you maybe have the ability to, to evaluate it with the seed treatment, how that seed lot's going to perform? Yeah, yeah, we do. Um, we have most of the commercial seed treatments available uh, in the lab. Uh, and, then, and we can apply them and then rerun all of the tests, uh, germ, vigor, and disease uh, with the seed treatment on uh, just so a producer can see how that how the treatment is affecting their, you know, their seed under ideal laboratory conditions, whether it's going to control the diseases that they're looking for or whether they can help get a boost in their vigor or something like that, bring that the vigor closer to their germination rate. Uh, we can do that in the lab. And then you also touched that, you know, maybe there's instances where you wouldn't want to use a that that seed lot do, do you have any recommendations for a grower where maybe you'd say germ vigor too low don't use it pathogen load way too high just walk away from this seed lot and start over yeah a lot of that will depend on kind of the year and the seed that's available obviously it, uh, in a perfect world we'd like to have that that germination up over that 85 percent range you know we'd like to see a vigor very very close to the germ and we'd like to see as little disease on that seed lot as possible. Certain years, you know, that might not be the case. But the ba- basic recommendations as far as disease goes is that stay with a field pea for Ascochyta. If you're under 7%, a seed treatment isn't necessary from a disease uh, control perspective. Uh, 7 to 14% infection is where you're going to look at, at utilizing the seed treatment uh, on that seed lot to help control it. And then when you start getting above 14%, it's when you might not want to carry that seed lot forward if possible. Usually anything with disease above that level will start to see issues in the germination or the vigor or something like that as well. And as far as Botrytis and Sclerotinia go, um, if they're present on your seed lot, you kind of add those two numbers together and then follow those same metrics. So under 7%, just from a disease control point of view, seed treatment wouldn't be necessary getting into that 7 to 14% range that's as long as your german vigor is still good that's uh you know you want to treat that seed uh ensuring you get good coverage and you can move that seed lot forward and then anything above that 14% range is where you might want not want to utilize that seed lot see if you have something you know something a little bit better for yourself Okay. So, yeah, definitely a, a little bit variable um, to the seed lot and to the circumstances and, and the season. It sounds like. Yeah, exactly. And then and then other diseases, um, anthracnose, for example, on on lentils. We advise people to keep that level as absolutely low as they possibly can. Uh, there's no registered seed treatment for it. It's a very aggressive pathogen, and once you've put it into a field, it's basically always going to be there. It might not cause you any sort of issues. This growing season uh, but when a susceptible crop is put back on that land later if the disease conditions are there it can it can cause you a problem yeah that's a really good point with anthracnose we're, we're typically thinking really low seed to seedling transmission but it's really all about the inoculum uh, load in that soil with such high carryover so yeah, exactly. yeah. Yeah, so we spent some time talking about seed test interpretation, but maybe we should delve a little bit into the logistics of sort of how and when to submit a seed sample. When's the best time to test, Sandy? Well, seed tests can be done at any time. There, there is kind of a, a myth that still still exists out there that the seed has to freeze before we're allowed before we can test it in in the lab due to dormancy. That's not true. We can take a sample right off the combine. 
uh, and tested in the lab. We break the dormancy in in the lab uh, with utilization of pre-chills or and, and things like that. Uh, but what we recommend ideally is you do a fall sample uh, once harvest complete and you've kind of got seed in the bins and, you, and you're thinking about you know which seed lots you're going to carry forward for, for seed in the future or whatever. We recommend you do a, a test in the fall and at that time we'd recommend doing the full testing package. So get your germination, your vigor, all applicable diseases, your thousand kernel weight. That way you'll know exactly what you're working with uh, and what you have. And then we recommend a second test in the spring, a little closer to seeding, where you're just going to want to recheck your germ and maybe your vigor as well, uh, depending on kind of what's happening uh, in the year, just to make sure that nothing happened to that seed lot that, you know, may have started out good in the fall. Make sure that it stayed stayed good over the winter, over, over storage, and after it's been cleaned. Sometimes we'll see quite a difference in seed quality uh, over the winter period. And, and we're seeing that this year, uh, especially with uh, field peas. Okay. Is there any clues on the seed test um, to, to sort of give you a pre-hint that you might see a change one way or another after cleaning? Like what things are you using to trigger to really make sure you get that second seed test? I think I think a lot of that is also depends on what's happening during the harvest conditions. This year, with it being so dry across most of the province, uh, a lot of the crops came off at less than ideal uh, moisture for harvest, so that's hard on them. Uh, the seeds get uh, banged around quite a bit, causes separation uh, inside the seed coat, separation of the cotyledons. So we'll see that in your initial test. Um, any mechanical damage that's noted, or if you're seeing a difference between your germination and your vigor of, a, of 10% or more, that's, that's an indication that something's happening in that seed lot. And every time that seed is moved or even after, even just during cleaning, if there's mechanical damage presence or if it's been really dry, you know, that that's going to happen more and more, which will affect the germination down the line. So we've seen samples that start off with 90% germination after cleaning, maybe being moved a couple times get sent in for a recheck and now the germination is sitting at 30 percent oh wow so we really like to well we don't like to see that at all but we'd rather see that in the laboratory than have that seed get planted and only have a 30 percent emergence in the seed. yeah absolutely do, do you ever see it go the other way um where things get a little bit better or is it typically you're you know, it's going to stay stable or decline is what we should be expecting. Yeah, uh, I don't know if we've if we ever really see things improve. Um, just over storage, it either will stay stable if all is good, or else we will see that decline. Okay, that's yeah, good good takeaways uh, for for taking the time to to test maybe not once but but twice in the season. In terms of taking that test and you know oftentimes at, at harvest we spend a lot of time talking about the importance of proper sample collection for getting those samples to market. But what about yeah, sample collection for seed testing? Is is that a crucial step like what quantity is needed or or what procedures need to be taken to get you a good sample? Yeah, we we definitely recommend taking a proper sample of the seed lot if you just go if it just gets put in a bin and you kind of go to the door bin door later on and just pull a sample out that's not really representative of that lot so as the seed is either you know going into the bin or or something like that or coming off of the truck we recommend people taking multiple samples during while the seed is moving and making a composite sample 
and then taking the sample that they're going to submit to the lab from that composite sample that's really representing that seed lot and submit that for testing. Perfect. Yeah, really, as you mentioned before, relying on, you know, a lot of seeds in that in those dishes and a lot of reps, but at the end of the day, a pretty small amount of seeds to represent a whole seed lot. So yeah, exactly. So you, you want to make sure you get the best representation of that of that seed lot that you can. Um, if it's a poor sample, the results will, won't really be accurate to what you what you could actually have. And the turnaround time. So you mentioned, you know, we can send samples sort of at any time and, and encouraging some follow up spring samples. But how how long should we expect between the time that you guys receive the sample at the lab to, to when the grower maybe receives the analysis? Yeah, the, the longest test that, that we do is, is 11 days. So we just uh, basically within two weeks, we like to get like a day to kind of get it through the lab and then a day to get the results entered into our system and sent out. So within 14 days of a sample being at the laboratory, you should have all your, your results. Okay, perfect. So we'd probably encourage growers to tack on a bit more time in case they needed uh, to look at seed supply or anything like that. Yeah, <laughs> it, it, exactly. Especially like during the spring when they're doing their, their rechecks, uh, we always recommend that they leave enough time to change their plans if, if they need to, if the retests don't come back kind of as they were expected. Yeah, perfect. Perfect. I just, uh, I wanted to circle back a little bit. You hinted at it uh, earlier that you were seeing some trends, especially in the peas uh, this season with some lower germination. Could you talk, um, you know, just dive in a little bit deeper into the 2021 growing season and the harvest conditions, kind of what impact they had on some of those core parameters, germination, vigor in those seed lots? Yeah, because it was so dry, we're seeing a lot more mechanical damage in the seeds uh, than we normally would in a year where harvest wasn't so early or, or wasn't so hot. The most affected crop seems is field peas for sure. Um, so even on our, our first like pre-cleaning germinations, we're seeing uh, lower numbers than what we typically see. I think our average germ on, on field peas, and this is mostly the pre-cleaned samples, is down around that 82%. And it's usually up you know, in, into, the, into the higher 90s. So that, and it's all mechanical damage. Every, almost every seed lot has some form of mechanical damage on it. We're also seeing the vigors uh, on those on those same seed lots kind of drifting outside of that 10% range that we like to see just due to the, the cracking of the seed coats and things like that. That seed is already stressed out. Uh, so it's not performing as well under the stressful conditions. And then anytime that those seeds that already have some damage on them are handled they're going to get more damaged and that's just going to cause that germination rate to keep dropping. The The only way to know how much it, it will drop is, is, is to get another test done, you know, post handling. It's not a, it's not something that every time it's cleaned, we see a 10% drop or something like that. It's, it's very dependent on each individual seed sample and how it was handled, how it was cleaned and everything like that. So uh, definitely, this year especially, we're recommending that after cleaning field peas that they get resubmitted just just to make sure that germ held up, hopefully. Okay, perfect. Um, and so, you, you yeah, really highlighted the field peas. Are we seeing similar trends in, in lentil or maybe faba or chickpeas in that regard too, or handling it a little bit better? Uh, the, the rest of the pulses seem to be handling a little bit better. We are seeing... A little bit lower vigors in the lentils, uh, again, just because we're seeing some of that the cracking of the seed coat and things like that. Some of the samples have quite a bit of split seeds in them, just again due to being dry at harvest. But they're not 
they're not being impacted as as much as the field bees. Okay, and uh, thousand kernel weights, like on a really dry year like this, does that show up in the thousand kernel weights as well? Are we seeing lighter seed? It's tough to say. I don't think that we've noticed much in in that regard, but I can't say for sure. Yeah, uh, probably a pretty variable one. Yeah, especially with seed lots and varieties and different all varieties the other things. things. Like yeah. Okay, that's fair. Excellent. Well, one other yeah trend aspect, I guess, would be some of the disease trends this year. So Discovery Seeds participates in the annual survey of seedborne pathogens on pulse and cereal seed grown in Saskatchewan. You'll just take a minute for our listeners who aren't really aware of the survey and, and explain it in a little bit more detail. But commercial labs uh, who receive Saskatchewan-grown samples are invited into the survey to participate. And participating labs will provide anonymous and amalgamated seed, seedborne pathogen data to create a record of seedborne disease trends and pulse and cereal crops. And this really allows for some continued disease tracking over time. Uh, it's used in research and, and other other components. The interim results from harvest to the end of December uh, also provide early insights into seed quality trends and help identify potential pathogens of concern and their prevalence across the province. So just a bit of background on that seed survey. Could you tell us a little bit more about the seedborne trends uh, and pulses based on this year's interim results? Yeah, this this year, because it was so dry across most of the province, kind of all the way throughout summer, disease pressure is is down quite a bit, um, which is one good thing. We're, we're noticing very little botrytis and sclerotinia. They're almost non-existent. We still are finding ascochyta on field peas um, and chickpeas, but the levels are are lower this year than than what they are are in the past. Still recommend getting the disease checked just because we, we, we have we do still have samples where it is up in that you know seven to fourteen range just so just for something to be aware of for for control with the seed treatment. Uh, but we are seeing very few samples this year that we'd be you know discarding seed lots because of disease pressure. That's just that just didn't happen across the province this year. Perfect. Is silver lining of of the season, but yeah, absolutely reiterate that that these averages and trends might not reflect those individual seed lots. Well, yeah, thanks thanks for diving into that, and and I think maybe just a really good time to recognize the collaborators involved in this annual survey. Uh, it's something that often happens sort of in the in the background year to year, but really want to offer a special thanks to 2020 Seed Labs, Prairie Diagnostic Seed Labs, Lenden Seeds, and of course, Discovery Seed Labs for participating in that survey. Sandy, is there anything else that maybe we haven't touched on here today about seed testing or pulse seed quality that you'd like to share or, or reinforce before I let you go? Uh, no, I think just the takeaway uh, this year is if, if you haven't got your seed checked yet, you know, and maybe you've already cleaned some up or, or you haven't started cleaning yet, is maybe just get that, get your seed into the lab for, for that germination check. And, and then post cleaning, uh, you know, get it back in here uh, for another check just to make sure uh, that you're not going to have a big surprise in the field. Perfect. Thank you. Well, that wraps up our discussion today. I want to give a big thanks to you, Sandy, for joining us. And thank you to everyone for tuning into this podcast. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss upcoming episodes. To stay up to date with SPG, you can subscribe to our mailing list on our website. We send regular updates, keeping you informed on markets, new technologies, trends, and pulse production. Thank you for tuning in to Pulse of the Prairies podcast.